Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We analyse the 2019 F1 driver market in this Silly Season Special. Formula One season may have gone into hibernation with its mid-season break now underway, but the silly season remains in full swing. There's potential for changes in driver lineups at nine of the ten teams on the grid, and there will be plenty of behind-the-scenes talks and negotiations going on throughout August to get some of those deals over the line. As it stands, Mercedes has confirmed Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel's locked in at Ferrari, Max Verstappen at Red Bull, and we can also expect Haas to pick up its option on Kevin Magnussen with Williams set to keep on Sergei Sorokin, but beyond that, there's every Everything to play for. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to untangle the machinations of the driver market first is Ben Anderson. Now, Ben, you spent the recent races in the paddock hearing all sorts of versions of what could or couldn't happen. It's much more lively than the previous few years, isn't it? Yeah, it seems so. The driver market's always fun, um, but it feels particularly volatile this year. Um, as you pointed out, Mercedes are the only ones who've really locked down their full lineup. There are a few drivers with contracts established, but it's pretty much everything else to play for after that. Um, yeah, many, many permutations, and it'd be fun to get into them in this podcast. Well, we shall be doing that in a few moments. But first, my second guest is Glenn Freeman. Now, as editor of Autosport.com, you must be loving all this uncertainty. F1 fans always revel in driver market stories. So is that why you've brought two espressos into this recording? Uh, they're not espressos, they're waters. They're just in those cups because that's all I could find in our kitchen at short notice. But to answer your more important question, yeah, it's great. I think fans love... The idea of drivers changing teams, it's its the old football transfer market scenario as well. And we don't tend to get that much of it in F1. It's normally the driver lineups are pretty stable. We're only, got, we're only talking about 20 seats. And I think early on, because the top teams looked pretty stable, we were worried it was going to be quite a flat driver market into 2019. But as Ben explained there, it, it does look like it's starting to, to kick off, which is, which is great. Well, let's get into it because there's a huge amount of ground to cover. Ben. The first piece that's expected to fall into place is Daniel Ricciardo. It's talk about that deal being done before the break, but it's not quite over the line yet, is it? No. Um, I think Red Bull were very keen to make it so before the summer break. Um, 
saying that was Christian Horner's intention. Um, they've offered him a deal, but it doesn't seem like Ricardo's signed that deal yet. Um, he was talking about getting his future sorted before the summer break so he can go off to a beach or whatever he does and not think about his future. But I presume he's still holding out, hoping that he can adjust the terms. It seems that, you know, rightly so, based on the way he's driven this year, he wants better terms than he's currently on from Red Bull probably terms that are closer to what Max Verstappen is on and the contract he signed last year. Um, of course, that's not really the way Red Bull plays things. They like to pay low and reward the drivers based on performance with bonuses. And of course, with Verstappen on a big contract, they can't really, I don't think, afford to have two drivers on massive contracts. So for Red Bull, they're going to be trying to play hardball. Um, also, Ricardo's alternative options are, are shrinking. He was playing the I could go to Mercedes card, I could go to Ferrari card. Obviously, he can't go to Mercedes now because Bottas and Hamilton have been signed. So that removes one of his negotiating tactics. I guess the one thing he's still got on his side while the lineup remains unconfirmed is could he go to Ferrari? It seems highly unlikely. And that's what Red Bull will be counting on. Um, I guess Ricardo just wants to make them sweat that little bit longer on the hope that he can use that card to, to play the stakes in his favour. It's the risk you take in Ricardo's position if you do start playing other teams off and kind of hanging on before re-signing another contract is that if those options dry up, arguably your negotiating position's weaker. And his position isn't great at the moment because there isn't really a sign of another team coming up. The teams aren't the midfield teams aren't close enough to suggest that he can go somewhere and find a race-winning car elsewhere next year. I think it's absolutely understandable that he'd want comparable terms to Verstappen. I think as yeah. as a as a team pairing, they are incredibly well matched. Not necessarily every weekend, one can get the the upper hand over the other. But if you were to look across the top teams, they are arguably potentially the most balanced lineup. Um, but yeah, he's he's lacking options, and I think there's also a risk here that a Red Bull Honda is not a guaranteed absolute top car next year. The chassis is obviously going to be incredible, but Honda's progress that maybe we we were looking at and Red Bull were looking at much earlier in the season. It, Torosso have been quite inconsistent. We're coming off a great race for Pierre Gasly again, but that's the first great race really since Bahrain, isn't it? So Ricardo will have a little bit of trepidation, I think, but I just I can't see where else he can go. There's also the other factor that has changed because I think the Ferrari Avenue was closed off a few yeah. weeks ago, but obviously a huge amount's changed at Ferrari with the loss of Sergio Marchione. So I imagine if you're Ricardo, you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, I've been told this isn't going to happen, but now... Who knows what's going to happen? Ferrari's got huge amounts of things to sort out in a wider corporate uh, scale. So obviously F1 drivers are not going to be absolutely top of the list, but he might just be thinking, oh, hang on a minute. If this could change, I should just maybe hang on a little bit. We, we don't know. His Italian's but, getting better, isn't it? Well, exactly. He's, he's, he's put, uh, yeah, there was a time where the best he could do was some family guy uh, style, <laughs> style <laughs> Italian. Start. If you search online, there's a, there's a good, uh, there's a good driver's parade from, uh, from Monza video of that. If you search for, uh, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo and family guy or something, there's a, there's a great crowd video. But yeah, I, th- I think that's probably what Ricardo's just, just hanging on to see what happens. Yeah. But it's a bit of a hit and hope. But It makes sense to wait, though, doesn't it? He might oh, as well, not? just on the off chance that Ferrari does decide to do something different to what was originally intended. And, uh, yeah, it, you never know. In the meantime, it might just force Red Bull into, you know, looking again at what it's offered him. But certainly before um, the events transpired at Ferrari, Red Bull were fairly sure Ricardo had nowhere to go and therefore they felt fairly confident that he's going to sign sooner rather than later it'd be amazing if he hung on and hung on and then suddenly Carlos Sainz or Pierre Gasly end up in that car if Red Bull get fed up I can't see it happening but they've got enough drivers to choose from if he does want to mess them around for too long yeah they do have that card to play don't they yeah. Gasly as you mentioned had a great race in Hungary he's certainly impressed Red Bull greatly with what he's done at Toro Rosso this year he's he's really essentially achieving a level Sainz managed last year after two seasons in F1 in his rookie season. So um, they always have that in the, the back of their locker to bring out if they, they need to. So Ricardo can't afford to hang around forever. And as Glenn mentioned, the other options, he's mentioned some interest in McLaren and maybe Renault as projects, but they're so far away from what he wants to get himself into, which is a potentially championship winning car. Well, Red Bull have made it fairly clear to Ricardo even several months ago, they're not going to wait around forever because they like to characterise themselves as a fast-moving team. So, yeah, there'll definitely be plenty of pressure there. And they've got, yeah, I think Gasly's probably front front of the queue to pick up that seat if they need. So they're, they're sitting pretty even if they do lose uh, Ricardo. And let's move on to Ferrari. 
after the Canadian Grand Prix, it became clear that Ferrari wants to drop Kimi Raikkonen and promote Charles Leclerc, who's having an absolutely stellar rookie season at Sauber, into the race seat. But, Glenn, things are a little bit more uncertain now for reasons we've already mentioned. Yeah, the the, the death of Sergio Marchionne seems to have caused quite a lot of disruption, as you mentioned, across Ferrari and its, and its wider business. But Formula One is a huge part of that business and... The drivers you choose to put in your two Formula One cars are quite a big part of the Formula One part. Um, it was great when it all seemed to be heading towards Leclerc getting a quick, what you would consider by Ferrari standards, a quick promotion um, to the top team. I think Raikkonen, he's maybe ha- he's having quite a decent season in patches, but I still don't think he's having a season that's of the standard that would warrant hanging on to that Ferrari drive for the amount of time that he's had it. You know, he's consistently the number two driver there. Arguably, that might be one of the reasons why he ends up keeping the drive. Um, it does appear that, yeah, it's all going to come down to what the new hierarchy is in Ferrari itself and maybe how well he gets on with some of those people who are going to be making those decisions. But I still think if you were choosing purely on form, it is time for him to move on. But it looks like he might get another one of those one-year contracts now, doesn't it? Well, well, Marchioni's death might be the saving grace for Raikkonen, unfortunately, because... That's the one guy at the top who finally lost patience. Raikkonen's still really well-liked within the team and has a great reputation. And I think his form this season is, certainly in the recent races, probably a bit better than it's looked. If you remember, back in Barcelona, he had that engine failure and had to take a new engine before Monaco of a lower spec. And Ferrari introduced their B-spec engine in Canada. Only Vettel's had that engine. So Raikkonen's performances since Spain have to be judged, or rather since Canada, have to be judged on the basis that he's got an engine disadvantage. But, but actually, his performances since Canada have been, have been, in pace terms, pretty good. He's had a run of podiums. And there's two ways of looking at it. You can say his pace has been good, he's got some good results, but he could have won in Austria, he could have won at Silverstone, he could have won in Germany. Germany was more the team's fault because he was very keen to stay out without yeah. changing tyres. But at the same point, had he not had that confusion lapping the Haas, he'd have still been ahead of Bottas, so he could have stayed out. And we're still seeing the qualifying so, errors, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Like we yeah. are, we, it's a running joke between us now. Of, uh, you, know, you can predict before a session that Raikkonen's going to say, oh, I messed up my last lap in, in Q3. But it's, it's a frustrating running joke because you know, if, if the potential's there and if the pace is there, let's see him give Vettel a hard time. But it seems that when it's time to throw everything at it, he's certainly prepared to take himself to the limit, but he can't seemingly quite work out maybe where the limit is and seems to go over the edge too often and I just think for a guy as experienced as he is that's that's unacceptable I think we'd find that unacceptable from a rookie to be honest I think it'll be down to Ferrari the team will have more control over that and I said like only was very much the one who's thinking yeah I've lost patience with, with Raikkonen and I think he was even keen on trying to do a change mid-season which I think he was he was uh, dissuaded from uh, pushing for after the Canadian Grand Prix but I think probably you'd say it's swinging back towards Raikkonen staying. Leclerc promotion might be put on hold. Ricardo's still floating around. I'd be surprised if they take him, but you just never know what, what they decide's important at Ferrari now. Yeah, it depends on how far Marchioni's philosophy, I guess, has extended through the rest of the team. You know, he was trying to do things on a more cost conscious basis. He wanted he said last winter that if Raikkonen underperformed this year, they would go with youth and they would go with Leclerc. If he's convinced his underlings, that that is definitely the way to go, then you imagine they won't go for Ricardo because they don't want to sign a second big driver and they don't want to upset Vettel. And also that they will go with Leclerc because Marchioni said that's what you should do if Raikkonen's underperforming. If the people under Marchioni don't really necessarily agree with that approach, then maybe they'll change tack. But I agree with Glenn ultimately. I do think Leclerc should be the one that they they bank on. I mean, we've seen what Max Verstappen has been able to do given the opportunity. Good enough, you're old enough. Exactly, yeah. And, I'd put Leclerc in, in, a, in a flash. And Leclerc looks looks to be at that level. I mean, Christian Horner said to me in, uh, in private um, recently that Leclerc looks like one they missed. So given this is the, the team that, that sets the template for picking up young talent and pushing it towards Formula 1, if they think Leclerc's mega from the outside, then Fry have got a real diamond on their hands. Well, Nicholas they? Todd picked him up very early, didn't he, for his his stable that until now was probably the most famous drivers. Well, they had Massa, didn't they? But then they had Jules Bianchi as well. And Leclerc was, is part of that stable and I think will become will become the, the sort of superstar of, of that little collection of drivers. The one positive you could say for him is that I think Sauber's trajectory, as long as it continues means that another year there 
isn't necessarily a year where your sort of career progress is on hold. If Sauber are off the back like they were a couple of years ago, then it would just be a year that's almost going to waste for his personal development. But if they keep improving, then hopefully what's kind of a car that's moved from the back of the midfield to getting into the midfield, if that can be a regular points contender next season, then he is still at least moving up the grid and racing racing with, with more at stake all the time. And I think he can still, he, he can learn something new next year at Sauber. Whereas the worry would have been if he was driving around in a backmarker team, then he would just be, it's just another year of the same when you don't want to halt that progress that he's making. Yeah, and you get the chance also to see if he does suffer from that famous second season syndrome. You know, there's plenty of people who think the second year in F1 is much harder than the first and you don't want Leclerc to go into Ferrari, that pressure cooker, and then have a collapse in form because that would be disastrous for his career. Yeah, I mean, if he continues at Sauber, he will still learn stuff. I still think if you're in Ferrari's position, you've got an asset there you should you should be using. Oh, but yeah, 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 but it's not... Yeah, I mean, definitely. But, but you never know, you know, if, if, he, if they don't take him at exactly the right moment. You know, it's the, the way that people progress. He might be ready for those new challenges. You know, the quicker you can get through that process, the better. But, but Kimi Raikkonen has a cosmic ability to just keep extending his Formula 1 career another one ad infinitum. So we'll, I'm we'll, sure we'll, we're completely wrong and he will re-sign yet again. We'll be sat here in 2050, another one-year deal for Kimi Raikkonen. They'll be wheeling him out, Zimmer frame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we should just briefly say, connected to all this uncertainty, we don't know what might change with, with Sauber's situation. The Alfa Romeo, the Ferrari links, that yes. could all change as well. That was massively uh, marked. And, and there were also it? going to be changes, uh, hearing mutterings about possible changes in terms of the Ferrari team structure and, and leadership that Marchioni mm-hmm. was putting forward as the next step. So there's all these kind of trickle-down effects that can have a Volatile, have, have just a like the driver market. Exactly, yeah. And Sauber's looking like quite a good place to, to go at the moment. But yes. everyone would just be going, well, let's just let's just check, because you, you never know. Chances are it will continue. But, but Alfa Romeo but deal knows? is still quite new, isn't it? And it was all part of Marchioni trying to increase his own power base in F1. So as Ben alluded to earlier, if, if the people that are coming in to replace him don't feel the same way he did, that's another thing that could change. Certainly. Exactly, exactly. This, it's, this is going to be one of those ones that we're going to have to let play out because it is going to take time for, for these things to happen. There'll be all sorts of different factions wanting different things. That's the one thing we know. And that, as we mentioned, extends beyond just the F1 bubble. It's the, the whole automotive side will, uh, will have an influence. Well, let's move on to Renault. Now, Ben, you wrote a fascinating column about the whole Carlos Sainz Jr. finds himself in. And you can find that on Autosport Plus in our subscriber area, anyone who wants to have a read of that. Esteban Ocon is almost certain to replace him at Renault alongside Nico Hülkenberg. So how has Sainz, who's had pretty good results in recent seasons, found himself in, in this situation that he's not able to stay at Renault and then there's question marks about where he, he does go? Well, it's it's all a consequence of the nature of that deal Renault did with Red Bull to get science in the first place. In many ways, he's he's become or looks set to become the architect of his own downfall. He he got fed up really waiting at Red Bull, seeing Max Verstappen's rapid rise, feeling that he's on a similar level and and not making that same progress, realising that really Red Bull were keeping him, keeping him as the backstop option should they lose either Verstappen or Ricardo, which as yet they haven't. So he wanted to take charge of his own destiny, move his own career forward. He pushed hard for a move to Renault, but he couldn't get a permanent contract. Of course, the deal to go to Renault was a loan arrangement wrapped up in the engine swap that McLaren did with Toro Rosso, etc. Uh, he replaced Jolian Palmer, obviously, late last season. Um has a deal for this season, but Red Bull have an option in, until September to recall him. But of course, in the meantime, relations between Renault and Red Bull, which were, let's say, cordial at the end of last year, uh, now have disintegrated yet again. Red Bull have signed their engine deal with Honda for 2019, and now it seems like the gloves are off again. The Renault engine has been more competitive, but has proved unreliable again, and Red Bull have grown more and more frustrated. And now it kind of feels that Renault probably wanted to get their their deal with sites, their permanent deal with sites done early, but that required Red Bull to release him, which they weren't minded to do. And of course, they still needed to keep him as a backup option should Ricardo not sign his deal. And uh, Renault, are co- of course, are, are probably not minded to wait for Red Bull. They don't really have faith that they can trust them. So they've started looking at their alternatives. And of course, Esteban Ocon has a prior relationship with Renault as part of the, the gravity program which was running under Lotus kind of Renault um, 
uh, management in the past. It was Genie Capital that ran yeah, Gravity. There was when, strong who, connections, weren't there? Yeah, and Anything and, involving Enzo team, identity and ownership is horrendously complicated. Yeah, um, it's just called Tolman. But Ocon was, uh, <laughs> Ocon was a reserve driver for Renault, wasn't he? I think in 2015, where he did some testing anyway. Uh, and then, of course, Mercedes picked him up. Um, so there's a prior relationship between Ocon and Renault. And of course, Plus French driver, French team. Yeah, exactly. It fits together nicely. And Mercedes, um, you know, they, at the start of this season, they wanted... Um, well, they were minded, it seemed, to promote Ocon to the works team. Valtteri Bottas had an unconvincing first year at Merck. Uh, Ocon was obviously very good, and they kind of felt if he could sort Sergio Perez out, then there's no reason not to promote him to the works team if Bottas's level doesn't improve. But, of course, Bottas has improved, and as we said at the top of the podcast, he's got a new deal. So there's no room at the inn for Ocon. And, of course, if he's met his targets... He's got every right to say, well, what next? You don't want his career momentum to stagnate at Force India. So this kind of represents the perfect middle ground. Renault is a works team. It's a bigger operation. It's developing at a faster rate. It's going up. But it's not yet at the level that could threaten Mercedes in the short term. So they can stick Ocon in at Renault on a probably a similar loan arrangement to the one that Science has currently, knowing that should uh, Bottas underperform next year or in at the end of 2020, Lewis decides he's done with Formula 1 and doesn't want to go into the new new era, they can stick Ocon in their, their works team. And of course, that means Science now potentially is undone by the very deal that put him at Renault in the first place. I find this one quite a surprise really because when science went to Renault at the end of last year I thought Hulkenberg and science there's a there's a driver lineup that Renault can bank on for a while while it's making the transition from barely a midfield team by the end of its lotus existence into a proper team again maybe get onto the back of the of the top teams in the next two or three years and become a real force with two drivers that you can develop as the team develops um but yeah, science has kind of ended up in an unfortunate situation, really. It does happen to a lot of Red Bull junior drivers where if there's not room at the top team, as there wasn't when Vettel and Mark Webber were occupying those two drives for a long time, um, you do get guys who maybe get cast off just because there isn't room and there's always guys coming up from behind as well. And, and it does feel that Gasly's strong performances this year for Toro Rosso seem to have weakened science's position as well. Because if Gasly had come in and wasn't really delivering, and you've got Hartley, who there remain questions about longer term for Toro Rosso. Arguably, Science could have ended up back in a Toro Rosso if Red Bull didn't have drivers who could fill that slot. The only other thing I wonder is if the kind of the downturn in fortunes of Force India has played a part here, because if that was still the fourth best team, arguably it would be the best place for Ocon to continue his development. But if Force India are sliding to maybe sixth or seventh best team, Renault are established as a fourth best team. As Ben said, there's a potential that Ocon can look elsewhere to further his career. And I think Mercedes, let's face it, are only okay with this because they don't see Renault as a threat at the moment. They may well think that having Ocon in a, a different environment, in a bigger works team, would be quite a good move. Also, they to keep quite a close eye on what Renault are up to, which is probably not a bad thing because they are yeah, investing absolutely. heavily in growing. It looks like uh, a good move for him now, I think, yeah, the exactly. way Renault are progressing. And Ocon is a, is, a, is a really good driver. Just coming back to the point you made about science, the one difference about his situation is he wasn't just stuck in the queue. He's taken himself out of the queue because... Yeah, he's pushed for the move, hasn't he? Exactly. I mean, Gas- Gasly is kind of ahead of science in the queue for a promotion. If it was science in, in alongside Gasly, he might be outperforming him comfortably. And then it's like, well, actually, he's the only one we can put in. So, and I you think, know, I think it's, it's easy to... You're absolutely right. And it's easy to look back at that with the power of hindsight and say, well, that was a blunder. But I think when he made the move, and even earlier this year when Renault were progressing, it was all going quite well, I did think he made the right decision. The, because the only miscalculation he made was Nico Hulkenberg. Yes, who many people underestimate. Exactly. Yeah. That. It would yeah. be a different scenario if he was on top of Hulkenberg like I think he expected he would be. But once again, Nico Hulkenberg doesn't make much noise, but he just surprises people, doesn't he, with how just how Absolutely. relentlessly quick he is. Yeah. Well, I think. And of course, if, sorry, and just just to say, and of course, if you're not outperforming your teammate, that immediately weakens your position, no matter what your contractual yeah, I, situation. I think Science had to take that risk. He may have underestimated Hulkenberg. I didn't. I thought they would be really evenly matched, and it'd be quite tough. But I think he was in a situation where he felt he was going to be sat in a Torosso forever, and then Ricardo and Verstappen signed new long-term contracts, and he can't progress anyway. So I do think it was a risk worth taking, even if it may ultimately backfire now. I think we're going to reference science quite a few times in He's the rest of this podcast, but we should just briefly say 
there are other options for him. McLaren's possible. Sauber isn't out of the question. Force India, there has been a little bit of contact. But the good, the he good could thing- end up back at Toro Rosso, as you mentioned. So Sauber, uh, science is in this weird situation where he could be anywhere or nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the, the good thing for science, at least compared to the man he replaced at Renault Palmer, is he's got a much stronger track record. So he is somebody who other teams will look at seriously because he has a lot to offer. And that's no disrespect to Jolian Palmer, but he just didn't produce the same kind of performances or results in his time to have any other options. So it probably won't be the last we see of science, but you just never know. And the, the rest of the opportunities, as we'll get onto outside of those kind of big four teams, there's more and more drivers coming into into the market. There are people pushing up from below with serious prospects that just mean the competition for that shrinking pool of opportunities is is very, very strong. And that, that hurts science as well. Let's take a look at one of those teams that is a possible destination for science, maybe not the most likely one, but Force India. Now, Glenn, if we just set aside all the problems with the administration and what they're working through and new ownership and inevitably what new ownership takes over will impact uh, all this I mean there's every chance that Lance Stroll could take his millions there after a disappointing season with Williams which also could be very good news for a certain Robert Kubica so with all the caveats of the uh, financial situation what's what's the likelihood of Stroll at Force India do we think? It seems to be heading that way doesn't it I think there's Stroll and his his camp uh, or should we say his dad uh, may be <laughs> very disappointed with what's happened at Williams this year Williams is uh, they were already on a bit of a downturn in form. It was quite a, a gradual slope, though, and it seems to have fallen off a cliff this year. Massively so, backwards, haven't they, this year? This, this, this is statistically, objectively, Williams' worst season since they started to become a constructor. The only one that was worse was their first year as Williams Grand Prix Engineering. Is that in terms of when, pace gap to the front? In terms front? of relative pace, position in the championship, the only one that's worse is when they're running Patrick Neve in a customer march in 77, which was just a kind of get started. You don't thing, want that so. to be your benchmark, really, do you? No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no. Um, so no, it's it's interesting, and Force India are kind of what Williams were a couple of years ago when Stroll first went there. You know, a Mercedes customer team now back to battling in the midfield, really, rather than being the team leading that charge behind a big team. So Stroll will kind of know what he's getting into there, taking out the ownership situation at the moment. You mentioned if it's good news for Kubica, um, is that in terms of a vacancy at Williams? Because I did see somewhere talk that. Stroll would want Kubica to go with him to Force India. Well, yeah, it's, you mean it's, the it's more about that. And Kubica has uh, certainly uh, become fairly matey with Stroll and is trying to help help Williams and help Stroll and you know do his job as third driver. So he'd be quite a suitable teammate. I think he'd be seen as a, a good person to be alongside Stroll. Sounds like a bit of a reasons. GT driver partnership, doesn't it? Driver gets his hooked in, hooks into Rich Amateur and tries to ride his coattails all the way you've just called Lance Stroll an amateur <laughs> <laughs> no he's, he's far from an amateur but yeah. only analogous <laughs> uh, but yeah but there are there's all sorts of, of of things that could impact that second drive but of course India will probably be a desirable destination for, for people the one thing I do think that the Stroll camp has to be slightly careful of is what I call Pastor Maldonado syndrome Maldonado obviously forced his way out of Williams and went to went to Lotus, as was for 2014, which was very, very, very bad timing. Now, it's not quite the same situation, but Force India is a fantastic team. It operationally, trackside, in terms of getting the most out of the car, getting the most out of what they've got, they're absolutely incredible. Pound for pound, said it before, said it ad nauseum. You can argue <laughs> that they're, the they're the best team. So if that remains intact, brilliant place to go. But Williams, it won't take a vast amount for Williams to get back into the thick of the midfield, and there's a lot of soul-searching going on there a lot of analysis going on that means they they could improve things. So the Stroll camp needs to keep keep an eye on that. I agree if it's Williams of the past few years versus Force India in the past few years, you go to Force India. But but can Williams continue that progress without Stroll's money? Because doesn't the Martini deal end this year as well? Martini deal ends, plus they're going to be probably 10th in the championship versus 5th last year, which is another double-digit million dollars. Uh, gone so there's there's a there's a hole there so yeah I mean they'll be looking around to see what money is Sorokin with SMP backing should uh, should stay on next year and I think there'll be more more money there as well so that's something but but yeah I mean that's what it comes down to you're looking at two teams who are actually operating at relatively similar budgets those two teams maybe Force India's dropped a bit because they're they're struggling so much but yeah, it's going to come down to who's got the resources to operate at their best. But if if Williams and Force India have sort of the same operating budget, then 
you lead towards false India, don't you? If provided yeah. that the team's intact. Well, there's a, some tension for Williams to negotiate, isn't there? Because Stroll has an option to go into a third year with them, but obviously he's been very disappointed by the the pace of the car. He was expecting at least uh, parity with last year, or possibly a step forward. So all the all Stroll Senior wants is the best possible car for his son, and there's been talk about Williams adopting more of the Haas model, trying to take more from Mercedes, increasing that customer relationship. The same thing has been said of Force India or whatever Force India becomes once the administration process is over. Well, it's very clear this is something that Stroll Senior sees as a good, as a good model. And there's, there's a wider play of Mercedes possibly looking to do those deals because it sees what's happened with Ferrari and Haas and Sauber and the benefits that it might take from closer collaboration with customer teams. So... Williams still has a has skin in the game here, especially if it maybe just reigns back from that proud, we're a constructor, we must do everything on our own heritage approach. There's been talk of doing a gearbox deal at least to start with with Mercedes. So maybe the, the only team not with a carbon case and gearbox on the grid. So it shows that doing their own, but they're behind the times, doesn't it? So maybe it's the first sign that they're starting to change their thinking, open their mind to the possibility of doing things differently. And of course, if they do that to Stroll's satisfaction and he's confident that the 2019 car will then be much, much more competitive and uh, maybe similar to a Force India, um, then he'll stay. And of course, because of the administration process, we just don't know what will happen with Force India. Yeah, there's all these talks of potential buyers and stroll investing and blah, 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 but there's no guarantee it will work out. There's already stories circulating that some teams will seek to block Force India receiving its FOM payments when it comes out of administration. So that's a very volatile thing to throw your hat into, isn't it? At the moment, if you're stroll, you would probably stay put and just keep pushing Williams to further its links with Mercedes. That's your best bet as things stand. But I think it's a very fluid situation, isn't it? It'll be changing over the coming weeks in terms of what's happening. Stroll's clearly, or Stroll Senior is clearly working very, very hard on all sorts of angles. So uh, that'll probably tell us a little bit about the the health of the the ongoing form of Force India, what what goes on there. And there's another element to consider as well, isn't there, which is uh, George Russell, um, Formula 2 points leader, Mercedes Junior, Seems the lo- to be the logical Ocon successor. Exactly, yes. And um, so that, that will depend on what happens with Force India. But there's also been talk that Stroll, if he decides to go to Force India, doesn't want Russell to be his teammate. So there's a possibility that if Stroll goes to Force India, then Russell's best option will actually be to go to Williams. Great for Williams. And a lot of that will depend on the customer relationship again with Mercedes. So it's quite a complicated picture at those two teams. And that makes it very difficult, I think, for someone like Science from the outside looking at that place and thinking, well, how do I get in there? There's so many different permutations just in that ring of two teams that you're not necessarily going to be even second or third priority. And then connected to that, as well as the possibility of Kibitza being in there, you've then then got Sergio Perez. Yes. The the action that was taken against Force India was seen as aggressive on Perez's part, but it's it's not. It's all part of the need to kind of get the the team's ownership. But the fact that he's he's taken that action suggests that he's massively embedded in that team and wanting to see it rise from the ashes, as it were. He will know exactly what the... I mean, there's there's multiple potential potential buyers, and a couple of them sold a very, very, very very credible indeed. So he'll know what what the form of the team could be. Absolutely. And a guy who uh, has stuck his neck out on the line to take this action against VJ Malia wouldn't be doing so if he didn't feel that forcing he was a very good place to to be in the next few seasons. So that's not a driver who's looking at to take his money elsewhere, is it? But of that's course, a guy probably looking to it, to make sure this project works. But of course, Perez would be remiss if he wasn't keeping an eye on other things. Of course, obviously Sauber could be a good destination. He has had meetings at Williams before. They'd be interested in him if they could get Perez, and they'd be they'd be delighted with that. So he's, he's any got, midfield he, team would want Perez, wouldn't they? Exactly. A driver of that level and with significant backing. He delivers backing. in those kinds of teams, doesn't he? He's yeah. a fantastic midfield driver, and that's yeah. not meant to be a, a, a pejorative. Uh, <laughs> so he, he's a, he's a very very dependable and, and good performer. But this Force India instability is one of the reasons why this whole midfield morass is is not as advanced as we'd expect. We'd expect to have more people locked in by this point, but there's these instabilities that have been caused for. India, the Ferrari situation that have kind of cast it all into the break with with this with this uh, this uncertainty, and yeah, it does draw in uh, draw in other teams. One team we haven't really mentioned, Ben, is Haas. We're expecting Kevin Magnussen to stay on, but there is still a bit of pressure on Roman Grosjean. He's only got three points finishes this year in the twelve races. Twenty one points to Magnussen's forty five. Brilliant when everything's working. So is he going to stay on? 
That would be a great seat, wouldn't it? For yes, it would. And of course, we just talked about Perez and of course, people are starting to make the link with, with Haas because you know they've, they've really established themselves as having the fourth quickest car on the grid this year, even if they're not fourth in the championship. We can put that down to some mistakes and perhaps a bit of an experience from the team as a whole. And obviously, Grosjean not delivering the points finishes that he should have done and he accepts that he should have done. I still think ultimately, unless Perez the whole Force India thing collapses and he does go there and they decide, yeah, actually, we do want a Mexican driver, we do want your money, uh, that Grosjean will, will stay on. Now, he's he's the guy that got in there first. He's He's been there from the start, um, shown loyalty to the team. The team's shown a lot of loyalty to him. We know when things are right, he is incredibly fast, probably one of the fastest drivers, certainly in the midfield, if not on the grid as a whole. That will keep Magnussen sharp. He just needs to cut out some of the, the mistakes needs to score more consistently he's had I think two of the last three or three of the last four races have been a bit better from him um, but has to certainly turn the screw slightly it's no guarantee but they've got an option on Grosjean I think that they I think personally they will end up activating it because a team like that still finding its feet still growing they've got a good stable driver lineup and anytime you change that you it's a risk and it's not like Grosjean is a complete, you know, waste of time in that car. He's he's still scoring points and is capable. So I think he's got to give them a reason not to re-sign him over the, the second half of the year. But I don't think it's one that they'll immediately do. I think Magnussen is somebody you lock in because he's had such a great second season there. Grosjean, you just give him a bit more time to show that he's over the, the, the hump of the first part of the season where he was making some high-profile mistakes. And then if he shows that inconsistency, you just lock him down and stay as you were. Magnussen's having a great season and yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see. He always told us that the instability and the moving teams or end up out of a drive, then back in a drive was affecting his ability to perform on a regular basis. And what we're seeing from him this year backs that up. I think what might come into play here is the scenario we were describing earlier for science was a bit like a really high stakes game of musical chairs where it's not just that there's one chair missing, there's quite a few chairs. There's, there's a lot more players than there are chairs in the game. Yeah. And But that means if you're in the Haas position, and Grosjean, his peaks are superb, as we've mentioned. There's no doubt in his ultimate pace and his capability on a good day. But if he's got too much inconsistency or if he's throwing away points, um, Haas are going to have options just based purely on who's going to be left without a drive at the end of this season. So well, they've already got options because Günther Steiner was saying in Hungary, you know, they've had calls from people. This well, exactly. Year. The there are going good. to be decent drivers without a seat at the, at the end of all this. So Haas aren't exactly looking there going, well, it's, it's Grosjean or a punt on someone who we pull in from F2 or someone with no. money that there's, there's going to, there are decent options around and that, that doesn't necessarily mean someone like science is going to end up at, at Haas or anything like that, but there's going to be so many moving parts here that there's probably not masses of pressure to lock Grosjean in, in the same no. way that Ben said they should make sure that Magnussen is, is locked in. I think that's really interesting because Grosjean was established as the leader of that team. He, he goes there from the beginning, as you mentioned, Ben. And I kind of imagine that even if he couldn't use that to leapfrog to a top team in the future, he would remain kind of the ringleader there. But Magnussen's kind of capitalised on any difficulties that, that Grosjean's had. And if anything, he's the guy that looks sort of securely nestled in that team now. I think if I was running Haas, I'd be, I'd be fairly happy to stick with what I've got. But I'm, I, I've always believed that you're better taking a driver like Grosjean and trying to get the most out of him. When things are right, he's brilliant. And there are things you can do to get him in that zone. But he, he has made that argument slightly difficult to make at uh, at times this season but I think he's three points finishes in four so if he can just keep, keep that up, up. that's course, all they want to see of course he did manage to hit his teammate in the one race he didn't score in at, uh, at Silverstone which people didn't really notice it was going on behind the Hamilton Raikkonen collision but I, I'd hope it has that, a, there's no be lasting hope. damage though is there it seems exactly. that's been dealt with quite but they'll, quickly they'll be hoping so. Grosjean is able to be to be consistent but it's uh, yeah I'd, I'd agree with Glenn in that also they can afford to be a little bit patient because people are, people are going to come to them they're up to fifth in the constructors they've got the car to be fourth so, they're, uh, they're almost the new force India aren't they in the sense of being right at the front of that midfield group yeah, now and therefore somewhere everyone's going to want to look at who isn't in contention cars, for the yeah. top drives. Uh, we should briefly have a quick look at Toro Rosso. Now, Glenn, we know Pierre Gasly should be there unless there's a Ricardo shaped hole at, at Red Bull. Brendan Hartley does seem to be on borrowed time 
they they looked at replacing with Lando Norris if they could get him from McLaren earlier in the season. So obviously Norris is someone that interests Red Bull. Dan Tixon, who's uh, the Macau Grand Prix winner from last year, and uh, and he, he's the guy who looks like he's set to win the Euro Three Championship if he can making heavy weather just, of it. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? <laughs> yeah, there's there's been some misfortunes and some lost points there, but he potentially he, he's seen as genuinely a driver who's got something about him by by Red Bull, but if he doesn't have the super license points, even if he wins it. So they could need a, a fill-in for a year. So where's the second seat going to go, do you reckon? It's a really strange one, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's not necessarily a bad thing for Tictum, who clearly is a real talent, if if he can't be accelerated into that vacancy just because just because it's there, if, if they're not convinced by Hartley. So he can continue to develop beyond F3, so presumably F2. Um, and then if he proves himself uh, as some of those other F1 team juniors are doing this year that we mentioned earlier uh, then the seat's clearly going to become available but actually what they do with it in the in the short term is is quite interesting there there are some doubts about whether or not um Red Bull can put science back there if they maintain him on a contract Ben I think your understanding is that they could yeah, they certainly think they can. Yeah, uh, the science camp certainly think that they can't. Yeah, well, but maybe they'll well, change their mind on that if they the, do end up with no other options. The, the, the science camp doesn't want to, but there is a situation where it might be the only way for him to stay in F one for exactly. a year, and it would be it would probably be a short term thing. But that's the kind of last. I think if you're in his resort. position, you you might change your policy on that if it's that or no drive. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you, you take the lifeboat or you're in the sea, aren't you? Yeah, which which Red Bull might say, you know what. Science and Gasly next to each other for a year while we wait to see how Tictum's coming along isn't a bad situation to and be you, in. And you never know from Science's perspective if he could assert himself properly over Gasly, he might give Red Bull cause to think again. So definitely, it, it, it's not a it's a, it's a backward step for him, but at least it's a backward step that that has half a chance of leading to somewhere. Yeah. It's not an absolute dead end, even if it is the the, the last case uh, option. I imagine that Red Bull will want to put ticked him in if they can somehow navigate this super license points uh, chaos uh, surrounding him uh, and pairing with Gasly assuming obviously that Ricardo stays and I think probably then the next option is maybe some kind of deal that takes Norris there in vis-a-vis James Key going the other way from Torosso to McLaren Zach Brown mentioned opaquely that they have a plan to get him early from his now massive period of gardening leave or holiday as uh, Helmut Marco put it um so maybe maybe there's something to be done there possibly a loan deal this loan deal well, it's is now funny, in fashion, isn't it? Isn't when it? when Red Bull approached McLaren before there was nothing really in it for McLaren about giving a driver to Toro Rosso but suddenly McLaren have reason to want to play ball don't they yeah so it's, it's interesting how the circumstances have changed effectively in a matter of what two months and marco is now of course putting pressure on by saying when norris is mentioned again well his contract expires in september so he can do what he wants after that but but if i was red bull lando norris is a a known superstar potential superstar you know he was a, a world karting champion he's rocketed up the ranks to to f2 i don't see what's in that for red bull by giving him a year uh and basically McLaren will find out how good Norris is in F1. I, I don't get what Red Bull get out of that, given how they are so good at developing their own drivers. Why are they going to solve McLaren's problem for them, potentially? Well, the version I've been told is that Red Bull will only take Norris if they can get him as a full-on so Red Bull driver. I guess there is a scenario where they might think if they need a one-year stopgap, they might think, well, we take him on loan and then maybe... If we like him, we can do something to get him. So yeah, maybe that, there's some way out that, if he really likes us. I mean, yeah, they so. they did miss out on him, or in the sense that he had a choice between Red Bull and McLaren, and in, ended up going for McLaren, and that buys you power, doesn't it? We saw how Max Verstappen leveraged Mercedes versus Red Bull, and look where his his careers ended up, and where his contracts ended up. So Norris is a big player, I think, in this lower end of the market, and he's a good option if Red Bull can get him. I think ultimately, science is the last resort, as we've said. Uh, they. Red Bull will probably take him if they have to and they can't get any of the others in. But, but I don't he, think he, science will go there unless he absolutely has to either. So it would be a marriage of convenience and probably for the short term. But even then, there are also other contenders in the stopgap. You know, someone we're about to talk about McLaren. You know, someone like Stoffel van Dorn could be available. They might think, do you know what? We know he's got something about him. Yeah, why not? If we've got to have a Hartley-style driver for a year, let's, let's just chuck him in and, and see what happens. So yeah. it'll all depend on how, how keen they are to keep hold of... Uh, 
hold of science. Well, Van Dorn has beat Red Bull Juniors coming up the ranks. You know, he, he beat Kvyat to the Euro Cup title in Formula Renault. Uh, he would have finished ahead of Antonio Felix da Costa in Formula Renault 3.5. So Red Bull will be aware that they would have had certain benchmarks uh, that Van Dorn has raced against. So they'll they'll have a very good understanding of his level, certainly. And not so long ago, he was talked about as the next big thing wasn't he so yeah. uh and the you know the the long-term heir to fernando alonso but if he's fallen out of favorite mclaren maybe he's the make way in the james key scenario and mclaren go hey not norris but how about this guy we're you know and red white go well yeah as you say glenn we, this is not something we've really looked at but certainly that track record is worth considering isn't it well certainly it says a lot about how well regarded von dorn is that on paper he's had a nightmare season at mclaren but he still could be of interest to them. We know Sauber see Van Dorn as, as an option as well. Well, worked with Fred Vasseur, didn't he? Exactly. So yeah, that, Vasseur I mean, will be very keen, I would have thought, to look at Van Dorn if he's available. Yeah, yeah no, I think, thinking I can turn that guy around if he's had a bad time. It, it would be a mistake to, to dismiss a, a driver, a driver like Van Dorn, who will have learned a lot in this <laughs> difficult time in McLaren. But, but Ben, let's actually look at the big question at McLaren, which which could have an impact on Van Dorn. I can't which believe is, we're talking about this so late in no, a driver exactly. market podcast. Well, it's. It, because nothing's really changed recently. We've talked about this many times, but it's is Fernando Alonso going to stay? There it is, Fernando Alonso in F one. That that's the question. Who who knows? Who knows? End with, of segment. Yeah, who knows with Fernando Alonso? I'm not sure he knows yet. Does he? No, I'm not sure either. Well, he's, he's got all the power in the world. He can sit there, sit back. They can say, "Oh, Fernando, are you, you going to stay? But, uh, but, come back to me next week. I'll, I'll you know, he, he's got all the power." Hilariously, Alonso is often described as having all the power in a driver market, but yet one person with a massive lack of options alternatively his only power is at mclaren really, absolutely yeah i think you know he's he's being very coy there were there were spanish journalists surrounding him on thursday in hungary uh, trying to tease the information out of him what are you going to do where are you going to be someone mentioned ferrari shut that down uh he kind of quipped that he's got uh, they, they said to him oh you're you gonna you know carry this carry this car into next year and he said oh, I've got 10 races in this car I think and then I don't think we'll carry it into next year so we'll see um McLaren will be desperate to keep Alonso I would have thought you know he he's the last the last element that retains their status as a top team you know having exactly. a double world champion you know a guy who the team is literally gravitating around now um can they afford him you know, it's no no secret that Honda were paying his wages before and having given up Honda engines, it's been difficult for them to plug the gap. You know, he's the most expensive driver on the grid, we believe. So, Well, well this is why he's driving for Toyota in, in WEC, isn't it? Because they're paying him a very significant amount, I hear. And if you look at the deal, there's a load of money coming from Toyota. You've got Kamoa on the car. So there's yeah. kind of a, a quid pro quo deal. thing. Kamoa yeah. is certainly not paying any money for that sponsorship no, absolutely. deal. absolutely. Like and he that. wears that cap constantly doesn't he yeah, so his logos are turning up in more and more places yeah. but i think ben hit on something that's very important about mclaren there that is that, that to me there are only two things that continue to give mclaren big team status one is fernando alonso and the other is their history and the history argument is getting weaker and weaker as every season goes past without any success and the moment fernando alonso is not driving one of those cars i think mclaren quite quickly ceased to be a big deal in formula one you know they're, they're a customer team now with as we've hinted there, not many sponsors on the side of the car. They're they're running around well, we're saying they're underperforming, but that's only because we have such high expectations for them. Yeah. They're just another midfield team without the everything that comes with the Fernando Alonso circus. I don't I don't see Alonso having an option to go anywhere else. You know, in F one. In F one. The Ferrari thing I think is is done. I mean I mean the Ferrari there's no way he's going back to Ferrari, but mindful of the fact that I thought there's no way he's going back to McLaren. Again, the Marconi situation does slightly change that. Yes, it he does. Had, he yeah. had quite a frank conversation with Marconi prior to his exit. So, And you just never know. So that there's that one element you could say, with all that upheaval, could there be some torturous path that takes Alonso back to Ferrari? But yeah, accepting right. that's a massive, massive, massive long shot. It's yeah, McLaren or bust, isn't it, for Alonso? I, I feel like the team is is moving ever more in his direction. You know, Zach Brown obviously loves Alonso and they're going out of their way to keep him happy. You know, they're letting him do WEC. Okay, obviously Toyota are paying for that privilege, but nevertheless, they're allowing him the time to do it. There's talk of a, a, a renewed IndyCar program and a, an assault on the, the 500, which he's obviously I, I, desperate I to win. I wouldn't rule out the fact they could, if they don't do the full-on uh, McLaren IndyCar program and there's sort of a little bit of 
dislike uh, well i think they're slightly turning against that idea because they they do want to be seen to be focused on on formula one if a, laser if a, focus but, but if alonso sits there and says i'll stay i'll stay driving for you in f1 but i'm going to do the 500 what they're going to do they're going to say yes aren't they they're going to let him do it and they'll make sure they put their, their good deal is put together for him to do indy again and he's, he's got two of the triple crown so if i was alonso my priority if i was alonso would be get on the indy 500 grid in a competitive car and ideally make a load of money as well those would be the two top things don't ask for much do you, you know but the, the, you know Alon- as far as f1 goes alonso is is he's got so much going in his favor at mclaren now he's he's it is Team Alonso. He's being given, yeah, it's Team Alonso. Uh, it's, it's, it feels a bit like, you know, his first stint at Renault, you know, more and more gravitating towards him. The guy running the team loves him to bits and will do anything in his power to keep him happy. So if you're Alonso. Ferran's not there without his blessing, is he? No, exactly. So it, more and it's more you feel like. Indy, of course. Yes. More and more you feel like Alonso has a, a growing power base at McLaren and also has more and more freedom to do what he wants. So why, why give that up if you still feel motivated to to race on the grid which he does even if the car's still not you know up to scratch so i imagine alonso will stay but we just don't know obviously until i think it's october he keeps saying that he'll make his final decision and then when Um, we get to october he'll say i never said that never said that yeah uh so i think you know plan a for mclaren will be alonso and then probably one of norris science or van dorn depending on the other musical chairs going on and then plan b will be norris and science well, well, of course, we know why science is high on the list because he's Alonso's mate. Yeah, so that's absolutely. Say, if we're yeah. talking about his influence, yeah, and he would, they're, they're incredibly mates. close. And but- I do, I do think actually, McLaren is probably science's best option in terms of all the alter- alternatives because of that link. It's probably the most likely one. I mean, the Norris situation is an interesting one. He's currently second in F two, so he's got a battle on his hands to win there. But they do see Norris as a future world champion, so they they may get to the point where they think actually we we need to get Norris on the grid. Of course, if, if Alonso isn't on the grid with McLaren in Formula 1 next year, although he could still do that while not being, without leaving McLaren wholesale, they, that could create a situation where they could have Norris plus A and other science there, yeah. whatever, to, to, to look at him. And then Van Dorn's still hanging around. And well, Van Dorn seems to be the most vulnerable, doesn't he? Oh, McLaren, 100%. Really. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's fallen out of favour. And I think, you know, you mentioned Sauber. He's probably the one... They're definitely looking at alternative options now. Well, we should mention Sauber because we haven't really talked about them. Van Dorn is an option. I'm sure Fred Vasseur would be would be extremely keen on have, having him in, in that team. Leclerc, there's one seat there that's Ferraris, basically. So It's going to be Leclerc. It'll be Leclerc. Givinazzi, if Leclerc's not there, I mean, there's Raikkonen. been talked about Raikkonen coming yeah. in, which might suit Alfa Romeo, might be useful for a team. It's a closed loop, providing up. that Marchionne-led exactly, yeah. thing and, remains in place, isn't and it? And Giovinazzi's the other question, Mark. I mean, Giovinazzi, he's a, he's a, a good driver, but if he goes into that, he won't be available to do the test. He's been doing a lot of simulator work for Ferrari. He's been doing a lot of important work on Grand Prix weekends. But he's very unseen. keen to to not be just a simulator driver. He said to me on Friday oh, after his is, FP1 yeah. run, it's like, next year I want to be on the grid. That's what I'm working but, but, towards. But the fact so. is... So that, do I. That, but of course, fact, yeah. But in order, <laughs> Are you working towards it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but in order to do that, he needs Ferrari to do it. And if Ferrari thinks, course, you know what, yeah. we're paying you... I, mean, I hope he's on a proper good salary. He should be. He's a very accomplished driver. But if they say to him, sorry you're of more value to us as a test driver, as a simulator driver, and we'll give you an, a, of course, a WEC driver, whatever, then, of course, that, that that's what he's going to do. But the second seat is the interesting one. Marcus Ericsson's the incumbent. He's got good backing. He's he's picked up his performances a little bit, but I think we've seen a lot of Marcus Ericsson, and I think it's fairly clear what Marcus Ericsson's level is. I think Leclerc has proven what is. Marcus Ericsson's level is. Yeah, certainly. And he's not yeah. as bad as some people think, but it's also not top draw. Exactly. So... There's Van Dorn as an option. Science Perez could come on onto the radar. So there's all sorts of possibilities at, at, at Sauber, which could be a really, really good place to be. Well, as Glenn alluded to earlier, Sauber aren't off the back of the grid like they used to be. So Sauber are no longer the team you just look at as a last resort. And yeah, they're, they're a genuine they're a option again. Proper midfield team now. So you you will be looking at that team if you're a serious driver as a as a potential place to go. Yeah, Ericsson, he had his big chance, didn't he, this year up against the clay. He's seen off a few other quite handy drivers in that team. Excepting that maybe, you know, he had favourable circumstances because of the the takeover. But Leclerc has shown, I think, that that level is certainly at the moment beyond him. Mm. But as you've said before, Ed, a driver with substantial backing is always a player in the driver market. So we can't rule out the possibility that Ericsson stays on at that team, especially when his backers are so heavily involved in it still. 
And that's the other thing. There are other drivers floating around who, if they can find some funding, could become factors. Although obviously the the driver pool is much reduced by the, the super license uh, regulations. Although well, we've mentioned Latifi before, haven't we? As a as a guy yeah. who potentially could bring substantial backing, but of course his F two season hasn't gone as well as he expected, so he's probably going to miss out on the points. Which oh yeah, I mean he's way down in the cha- he's down in thirteenth in the championship. That's been a a, a very uh, very poor season for him. So yeah, there's drivers floating around, but. I think we've covered the the sort of vast majority of them. I'm, I'm not sure we've really we've really got anywhere in terms of where it's going to go, but we have at least sort of said what will be the factors that will dictate it. The whole Force India situation is is critical to a lot to a lot of this. So I think, like you say, you've got a team like Haas that can just sort of sit back and see how things shake out. But Stroll, Perez, they're going to be key players because there's yeah. there's, uh, there's there's cash there. So it, the one thing we might we might learn before the end of the summer break is is the final resolution on the Renault situation because yep. Cyril Abitable did say they plan to announce before Spa mm. what they're doing next year. So we we imagine that will be confirmation of a Hulkenberg Ocon lineup. So that should fall into place. Then maybe Ricardo either slightly before or slightly after. And then, as you say, it's all about resolving the other things. And Force India are a massive massive player in that. I think this is a really strange driver market in that the pressure is almost on the drivers rather than the teams to get their stuff sorted out because I can't really see a scenario where many of these teams can completely lose out. No one's going to be, no no teams are going to get to the end of this and go oh there's no one left we're going to have to go and find whoever's got a super license and just put him in the car. There's going to be one pretty good driver with a good track yes. record who's probably going to be on the sidelines whatever happens yeah, yeah so whoever you yeah. are whoever you're McLaren Haas Sauer or whatever there is potential that you're going to have a Stoffel Van Dorn or a Carlos Sainz who's just there without a drive and you go oh we're the last guys with a gap um, let's Stick make this in. work you're a good driver and I guess that's a consequence of having drivers like Norris Russell and Tickton really properly banging on the door because we, we haven't had every season like that guys no these things are cyclical aren't they and right now we've got a good wave of talent coming through it happens maybe i don't know once a decade you could say you get a wave of drivers that seem to come through almost at the same time that can shake up the f1 driver market but it does kind of depend on if they've got money or where the vacancies are but it's it's a good problem i think for for us to be talking about yeah it's great i mean to have to have those three knocking on the door and of course leclerc and gasly both having really really impressive rookie seasons that's you know five drivers there who are properly in the mix plus all the ones you've already got so yeah it makes for a very very exciting driver market and much more interesting than previous seasons Exactly. Well, we'll be uh, tracking all the news and the latest in the driver market. So check out autosport.com. Plenty of news over the August break. F1 may be sleeping for a, for a few weeks, but autosport certainly never sleeps. Autosport magazine out every Thursday. We'll have today the in-depth analysis of the Hungarian Grand Prix weekend, and there'll be all sorts of interesting features over the over the coming months. Also, check on autosport.com, our plus subscriber area, where you can read all sorts of in-depth features, including the Ben Anderson article on uh, Carlos Sainz Jr.'s predicaments that was mentioned earlier. Please also check out Sister titles f1 racing magazine and motorsport.com and if you like what you hear please tell your friends share it on social media reviews on itunes all gratefully received and if you don't enjoy what you hear well done for having got this far into the podcast thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another autosport podcast Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Most footwear brands use cheaper synthetic materials, but when it comes to quality, Mother Nature knows best. Allbirds took that idea and ran with their iconic wool runners. Wool runners are made with premium supernatural materials that are comfy and durable, so you can run to the ends of the earth or just to the store. Plus, they're machine washable. This year, take a big step forward for Mother Nature with Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. That's A L L B I R D S.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.